Welcome to the Hockey Writers Prospect Corner, a show with our top prospects writing crew, bringing you the latest news, analysis, scouting reports, mocks, rankings, and much more. From the world juniors to the NHL draft floor, from the farm to the NHL, our team covers everything that happens in the world of prospects. So sit back, grab a notebook, and get ready for Prospect Corner. Prospect Corner. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Prospect Corner presented by the Hockey Writers. Today, we are going to be taking a look at the top prospects in the 2024 NHL draft and pitting a few of them against each other to see who comes out on top. There's three of us, so uh, there will not be any ties. We will decide who we like the, the best. Um, I don't know. You'll see who that is. But then also later in the show, we're going to have a quick chat about some of the top prospects who may or may not join their nations for the World Juniors, both drafted and undrafted prospects. Uh, yeah, so we'll get we'll get started pretty soon here. I am your host, Logan Horn, as always, and today I am joined by my co-hosts and fellow prospect analysts, Matthew Zator and Peter Barracchini. Uh, Peter, how's your mustache doing lately? <laughs> uh, actually, you know what? I've doing grown pretty good. to I like it. it. I've grown to like it. Even a couple of my friends, they said they really like how it's come in. Uh, I may keep it post um, Movember. I don't know. <laughs> I'm usually more of a beard guy, but I've been kind of liking the stash so far. Nice. It's looking good. It's it. It always is an adjustment uh, between real life and then coming through the camera. But it's looking <laughs> exactly good. Yeah. through the camera too. Uh, yeah, join the club. Mustaches can be fun. Uh, Matt, how's the beard going lately? It's going good. I, I don't like mustaches. I don't look good in it. Um, ah. So I, I just keep the <laughs> um, whatever works. Yeah. Whatever works. <laughs> I either go beard or clean shaven. So I mean, sure. yeah. Too- um, yeah, but yeah, doing, doing good. <laughs> good. Okay. Uh, I, we've never done facial hair updates, but uh, maybe maybe that'll become a regular uh, segment on the show. Uh, for those listening, I only ask that because those guys have facial hair. It's not, there's no other reason. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, before we get started, I want to mention again that the Hockey Writers, we've recently expanded our content into sub stacks. There's one dedicated to each NHL team, as well as one dedicated to NHL draft and prospects content. So you can sign up to get all of our best prospects content delivered directly to your email inbox multiple times throughout the week. There's also a premium tier with exclusive articles, mailbags, prospect interviews, and more. Uh, you can find a sign-up link for that in the video description below. Check it out. All right. So as I said, as I said at the top of the show, uh, we're gonna do some. We're gonna be pitting some 2024 draft prospects head to head here, and I'm just curious your guys' thoughts and who is higher at the moment for you. And we'll we'll duke it out a little bit. Um, so Peter, I'll come to you first on this first one, where uh, I'm gonna ask your thoughts between Consta Hellenius and Berkeley Cat, and they're both relatively considered locks to be in the top 10 at this point um average sized forwards um good offense playing in very different leagues but what are your thoughts between Hellenius and Catton and who comes out on top for you well we're we're just diving right into that are we um yeah uh, good luck it's it it really is a close call like both are very similar in the way that they play they're both high octane they're very smart they're very crafty but i think hellenius despite the size factor where you know he's 511 176 he utilizes his body very well and he's not afraid of the physical you know endeavors that's not to say the cat is as well but he he seems to be more aggressive 
and more involved in the four check quite often. Um, you know, Catton's off to a great start, 30 points in 21 games with the Spokane mm-hmm. Chiefs. Um, you know, you can't overlook that and how well he's progressing. But, you know, the way I, I might just give the edge to Hellenius because, you know, he's playing in the Liga. It, it, it's one of the top, you know, league pro leagues outside of the NHL right now. And, you know, 17 points in 23 games. I mean, that, yeah. that really is impressive for a 17-year-old, you know, Usually what we've talked about like ice time and ice management for younger prospects in Finland, Sweden, Russia, where they tend to not get, you know, those opportunities as much, but Hellenius just keep, seems to keep thriving and he, see, he seems to keep producing nonstop. And, you know, if he's continued the way that he's going right now, I mean, it's a little bit too early to tell, but he's probably going to rank uh more than just a top 10 possibly a top five pick in this year's draft as he continues the way that he's going yeah absolutely um it feels like uh you don't hear a ton about Hellenius just because the Liga doesn't get as much attention in North America as college hockey as the CHL USHL even mm-hmm. sometimes um, and it can be a little hard, a little abstract for North Americans to to understand just how impressive what prospects are doing out in, in Europe. But yeah, Hellenius has had a wicked start. So um, I I agree with all your points there, basically. Matt, what are your thoughts on Hellenius versus Kat? And uh, who's, who comes out on top for you right now? Well, I... I've, uh, I'm pretty sure I've said it. I love both these players. So it's, this is a difficult one for me. Yeah. Um, Hellenius, Hellenius has a little bit of an edge because of his uh, two-way game uh, for me. I mean, he's got a lot more of that developed right now. His, his hockey IQ is really high end. I mean, not saying that Brickley Cannons isn't, but I, you know, it just seems like he's a bit more on the side of being better defensively. And I like that. Especially, I mean, a lot of Finnish players seem to have that, being able to be a well-rounded player because just their system and how they kind of coach their players is a lot of them are that type. I mean, if you look at a lot of Finnish players, there's not really any that are bad defensively. Um, so, I mean, they all have that type of uh, attribute. So I'm I'm leaning towards Lanius. He has a lot of offensive potential as well, um, but I think he's just a little bit more well-rounded in his uh, two-way game at this point of his development. So, I'm going Hellenius, but just by a little bit. And I think that's the only reason is that he's better defensively. Yeah, it's it's not a huge margin, I wouldn't say. Um, I can't remember the exact numbers, Peter, but you mentioned the the points that uh, Catton has put up so far. And they're impressive. They're solid for a draft-eligible player in the WHL. Even in last year's group where there was a ton of really high-scoring uh, draft eligibles, this would have matched up pretty well. Um, the thing is, Hellenius had a somewhat slow start playing in a in a difficult league, but he has 15 points in his last 10 Liga games, which is absurd. Um, and I think you mentioned it's 17 and 23 on the season now, 17 points. Yes. Uh, Joaquin Kamel, in the year he was drafted 17th overall, he, he slowed down as that year went on. We thought at one point maybe he was going to be second overall, but he, he fell to 17th. Uh, he had 23 points in 39 games, so about a little over half a point per game. Um, you know, he could slow down again, but Hellenius has 17 in 23. That's almost up to a point per game. So I, I don't know. He's If he can keep this up, and I feel like he can, his playmaking is phenomenal. Um, 
even against pros, he's really great in transition, both directions, really defending transition or creating offense. Um, I expect we'll talk about it in a bit, but I expect he will be on team Finland at the upcoming world juniors as a draft eligible, which isn't the most common thing. Um, and he's probably going to be one of the better players on Finland. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got Yanni Neiman, who's a Kraken prospect, who'll be probably in the top six, maybe the top line. He's a big, strong winger. Um, and Lenny Haminaho, who's a Devils prospect, I believe, has been yeah. really great in Liga as well. Um, so those two and Hellenius could be a top line, given the, the positions they typically play, or they could spread him out a bit. But that could be a really strong high end. Um, and yeah, Hellenius is the, the pick for me right now here. Definitely feels like he's trending up top five, possibly even starting to push into that top group of forwards with Demidov, Iserman, and uh, Celebrini. But I digress. We'll we'll find out as the year continues and, and how well he does at the World Juniors, which is, I've, I'm pretty confident that he's going to make Finland for that one anyway. Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, so yeah. for now, it's a clean sweep for Hellenius above Catton. It's good to know. That's that's a change from my last draft rankings, but that's that's how draft years go. You know, we learn lots. All right, next up is a battle between two uh, big defensemen who skate really well, but play quite differently, uh, aside from just being big and skating well. <laughs> uh, and that is Sam Dickinson and Artyom Levshunov. Uh, there are very reasonable arguments to take either of these above each other. And so good luck. Um, <laughs> Matt, I'll come to you first on this one. Uh, what are your thoughts on Dickinson versus Levshunov? Who's who's your you, your pick right now? <laughs> You've picked some really good. I mean, of course, you'd have to. I mean, it wouldn't be fun if you. Why? Just thank you. Really easy. <laughs> but uh, this one's a tough one. I mean, like you said, they're both very different defensemen, but they're both guys you'd want on your team. Obviously, um, mm-hmm. I I always look, and I think I've said this before. And I out between the leagues, like Levshunov's playing in the NCAA right now. Uh, Dickinson's in the OHL. Uh, the NCAA is a lot bigger or higher competition so i'm i'm leaning towards left shooting off because of where he plays i mean both skill levels they're both great i'd pick i mean it'd be really tough if both were on the board and i was a gm be like oh, i don't know who i'm really? out of these two guys but um just how his seems like left shooting off's development's a little bit higher of how he's performing in the ncaa right now he's got 14 points in 15 games and for a defenseman in a league like that uh, is pretty good because I mean he's playing for Michigan State. I uh, so I mean he he's it's it's weird with NCAA how much ice time these guys get, especially so young and they're freshmen and coming in. I mean he's played in the USHL, so he's got a bit of he's got mm-hmm. North American experience. He hasn't been playing in Russia before uh, all his career. So, but I'm going left shooting off just because of how he's performing in the league he's playing in because. Based on skill levels, I really don't see one taking over completely. So I'm going left Shunov uh, on this one. Yeah, totally reasonable. The point totals in college hockey are really impressive. Um, if I'm not mistaken, there are three at least high-end prospects playing, uh, draft eligibles playing college hockey. There's Celebrini, Lev Shunov, and uh, Ziv Buyam, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, and I think Lev Shunov is third out of those, which is crazy because he's been doing really well and um, scoring a lot of points. So totally reasonable pick. Um, I'm curious what what your thoughts are, Peter, 
on Dickinson versus Lev Shunov. Is your OHL, uh, I don't want to say bias, but it is kind of, uh, that's okay, uh, going to win out or the point totals, or, or I don't know where you land on that. Um, The gap has been narrowed by <laughs> Lev Shunov, so it is a little bit closer right now. That's not to say that, you know, I'm not, I'm still not a fan of Sam Dickinson. I really am, but, you know, you look at the numbers a little bit more, and eight of his, you know, 19 points have come on the power play. So you're thinking that 11 is at even strength, power play is eight. So you want, I may, I may just want to see a little bit more, you know, five on five production, just a little bit more. And it's, I, I can't really decipher what the splits are for Lefunov, but. As Matt said, you know, the NCAA is a little bit more aggressive. It's a little bit more high end because of the competition in itself. And, you know, I, it wouldn't be, I'd be contradicting myself if I didn't pick a player that was thriving in the increased competition with Hellenius and not do the same for Levshunov. So, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it's hard not to discredit what Levshunov is doing and how well he's adapted to the NCAA level. And I think he gets the nod over Dickinson as well because right shot defensemen, you know, mm-hmm. they are very, yeah. very hard to come by. And I, I again, I, I still like Sam's, you know, defensive game, the physicality and everything like that. But Lashunov, he does have a little bit more offense and it can be a little bit more risky at times. I think Sam Dickinson is the safer of the two, but yeah. Lashunov might have the higher upside there. So at the moment, like I'm I'm going to give the nod a bit over to Lashunov right now, but it's going to go back and forth like it has been all season where I said, you know, Lashunov was, was going to be the top defenseman and then Dickinson was the next one. But now Dickinson was the higher one than Lashunov. And it's going to go back and forth for me all season long because I really like both of them. Yeah, completely fair. Sorry to give you an existential crisis. Uh, this <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I had, I had to process that. everything on my brain right there a little bit quicker than expected. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you did a great job. Um, I actually completely agree with, with something you said just a little bit ago that um, Lev Shunov probably has the higher potential, um, is much riskier, both in terms of projection, uh, but also in terms of just on-ice play. He takes a ton of risks to create offense. Um, and Dickinson is a much more sturdy, reliable player on the ice and prospect to select. So it's a really tough balance, um, but I end up agreeing with both of you again here. Artyom Levshunov <laughs> would be my pick. Uh, the offense is excellent. The defense is suspect. It's a little rough, uh, at least in college hockey, his first year of college hockey. Uh, it has not been as good as I would hope, and Dickinson has been excellent defensively, really. Um, still a great skater, still has the size, um, but the offense has been less than exciting in the OHL so far. Um, and so just the the gap in the quality of the leagues and in the the point totals in, in said leagues uh, just gives Lev Shunov the edge a little bit there. Um, okay, so we're going to go in an opposite direction and do undersized defensemen now. Um, and there might be a few other guys that could join this conversation, but uh, these are kind of the two top names. And maybe there's been a bit of a gap throughout the year here um i honestly have no idea so i'm very curious to hear your guys thoughts peter uh aaron kitty you or cole hudson who are you taking oh i if this was going to be like offensive defense i thought you would have done zane parek and i probably would have picked <laughs> zane as a result of that um yeah, no that's yeah. a very reasonable pick i just i just wanted to get the, <laughs> the, the undersized offensive defense. um 
I, I, I would have gone with uh, option C, my own answer. But uh, that I have, <laughs> if I have to pick between the two, again, I'm I'm going to give – I'm still going to pick Aaron Kivi-Haru over Cole Hudson. Main, and it's it kind of seems like maybe the pressure is getting to Kivi-Haru a bit, but he still manages to read each situation very well. And maybe the production isn't quite there. And maybe, you know, we've talked about him for many, many years and he's excelled in every single time we talked about him. But this year in his draft year, seems like maybe there's been like a bit of a bump in the road for him in terms of his development, improving his stock and everything like that. And we've talked, um, you know, in depth about Cole Hudson's production, but his defensive game is, you know, something that really needs to work on as well. We know he can produce, but the defensive game is still a reason why maybe he's dropped, you know, for me, probably you, Logan, and for many others as well, because it is still a factor. But Kiwi Haru, I think, is still going to be in that realm of possibility of being a top 15 prospect because of the way he processes the game at a high pace, the IQ, the awareness. It, it, it's already there. If the offense is able to come together, then I think he has a lot more potential. But and also in terms of defense, and it's not so much positioning, but also if he's able to handle the physicality. That mm-hmm. that that's the main thing because he is a bit of a smaller player in that regard. If he's able to hold his own, perfect. If not, then you know, still some question marks about him. But I I I'd go with Kibi Haru. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens on draft day with these two because they're both in that five, nine, five, ten range, I mm-hmm. believe. Um and Guys in that range very, very, very rarely go, even in the first round. Um, So I think they would both have to be pretty impressive for the rest of the year to get that high, um, which is wild. Um, Because can you imagine a team taking like Will Scan above Cole Hudson? I mean, I can believe it happening, but it's just a wild thought. Um, It's probably going to happen, though. Um. There, it's just such a weird uh, spot to be as a prospect because teams love you, but they do not trust you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they just don't don't feel like they can rely on that uh, that player type right now. Maybe if Lane Hudson can uh, make the transition to the NHL, maybe someone like Seamus Casey. If we can see more and more five ten or under defensemen succeeding, then we could start to break that. But um, not happening before this year's draft. It's too late for that. Um, Matt, what are your thoughts? I know you might be a little split here too. I don't know. Uh, Kivi Haru or Cole Hudson, who do you like right now? Oh, yeah, this is a tough one too because I love both these guys. You know, much I love undersized uh, players in general and the high skill level for both of them. I mean, I know, like we said about Cole Hudson, he's not been as offensively impressive as, uh, you know, Lane is obviously this season and even when in his draft year. Um, so, I mean, and Kevin Haru has that injury that he's been dealing with. So I'm putting that on in my mind. I'm looking at the skill of both these guys, both healthy, both um, playing. I, mm. I'm i going with Kevin Haru because I've liked this guy a long, probably the first time I heard about him. I thought he was not draft eligible for this season, but last season. Um, mm-hmm. last year's draft when he was in the world juniors, I'm like, Oh wait, he's next year. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, he's, he's been, he's been impressive whenever I've watched him. I mean, obviously this season, not too much because he's been injured, but, um, you know what I saw at the world juniors and the fact that he wasn't, I don't think he was on one of the teams and I was surprised why he wasn't even on, 
uh, wasn't able to get on that one of the teams there, but he's just got so much, so much potential. I like uh, before now, I guess he's dropping off because of the injury, but um, he was talked about in the top 10, top 15 uh, as early as the beginning of this year. So I'm going to be because he has a lot more high end ceiling, even though he may get drafted later on because of his size and because of the injury uh, lack of view, lack of views. So I'm, it's it's difficult as I love Cole Hudson too, but uh, I'm yeah. going to be hard on this one. Yeah. Well, you guys said that these were getting hard, but like we're all agreeing on everyone. So I don't know if I made them hard. <laughs> we got to change that up. I agree. Yeah, I got to try harder next time. I, I agree <laughs> with Kibi Haru. I think the offensive potential is excellent. And when you're an undersized player, any position, you have to do at least one other thing at an elite level. And I think Kibi Haru's hockey sense is if not elite it's very close um i don't know that cole hudson has an elite skill at this point he has a lot of high-end things but without the size and the defensive game not being amazing um it's gonna be tough i think kibihari will be drafted first unless he never plays again this year or he comes back and has a really rough go um hudson though i have been watching a little more of lately and while the offensive numbers aren't there, like we've talked about this year, I have seen some growth defensively. So possibly he's just trying to find that balance between working on his defensive game. I've been impressed with him physically, actually. Um, I feel like he's almost, he's a couple years younger, but he's as good, if not better defensively than Lane already. He's at very least much better at the same age than Lane was defensively. Um, he works really hard there. Um He's not excellent. He struggles to bump people off the puck because everyone's bigger than him, basically. Mm -hmm. But uh, the effort's there. So I can see some improvement and probably going to see more. But if he can balance that with the offensive production that we've seen from him before, that would be probably the best. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that by the end of the season. You know, hopefully you can start to put that together. But it's just hard to pass Kivihariu right now, especially since he isn't playing. And so we can't you know, small sample size at the start of the year. But if he if he had played poorly all up until now, then maybe we could bump Hudson around him. But it's hard to drop someone just because they haven't been able to play because they're hurt. Uh, Kibihari's offensive potential is so high, I just have to go with him as well. So on all three of them so far, we've all agreed. So there's only <laughs> one left, and I don't know that that's going to change. So. <laughs> We'll see if I can stump you guys next time or make you guys disagree. <laughs> but um, next up, and the last one we've got here, I just did this one for fun. Uh, Macklin Celebrini versus Adam Fantilli. Try to keep in mind how you felt about Adam Fantilli like six months ago, like just before the draft, not after he's played in the NHL for <laughs> a couple months and been maybe the best forward on Columbus. Try to keep that out of your mind, <laughs> although it's impossible to fully do that. Um, Peter, I'll come to you first on this one. Uh, at this point in time, who would you take, draft your Celebrini or Adam Fantilli? I'd still go Adam, uh, mainly because of not necessarily not necessarily the size factor, because Adam Fantilli is, you know, he has a height advantage compared mm-hmm. to Celebrini. I believe Celebrini's just, you know, 5'10, 5'11. Um but I do think it's, or he's six feet, sorry. Uh, so they're very similar in stature, but I feel like so, um, Fantilli has more of that aggressiveness and the tenacity in his game that makes him 
a bit more competitive. Obviously, they both have the drive, they have the skill set, and the hands and tight in the shot. It's absolutely phenomenal that both of them are very similar in that regard. But it seems like Fantilli has more of that physical presence. And for someone to be up the middle of the ice, I just like that a little bit more to be that complete package centerman. Um, Celebrini might have a little bit better offensive, uh, defensive awareness in that. So they, that kind of always, but yeah, um, I, I think that Fantilli definitely with that physicality. And we saw that even, I believe, in like international tournaments where he was able to show that it, it, mm-hmm. it's a big step that he's able to handle his own. So I'm so good to pick Fantilli. Yeah, that's completely fair. I agree with a lot of what you've got there. Um, Matt, what about you? What do you think between Celebrini or Fantilli? Oh, my gosh. I mean, this is tough because of how Celebrini's played in the NCAA this season too. I mean, well, we know all know how Fantilli did. Um, broke records and all that stuff. And Celebrini's on track to potentially do the same thing. Um, it's going to be a massive question to get at the end of the season because I want to see how Celebrini does. But at this point, um, I'm going Fantilli too because I agree with what Peter said. I think he's got a bit more NHL-type first-line centerman, um, especially the way that the NHL is right now. I mean, you do... As much as everyone's saying, well, you know, phys- physical play isn't as important, it still is. I mean, you're going up against mm-hmm. some of these bigger centermen that get in your face. And, I mean, the guys like Elias Pettersson, um, smaller centermen like that have been able to thrive still just because of their hands and, and you know, development there. But big centermen that are physical are still important. So I'm going to go with Fantilli on this one um, at this point. But – if Celebrini like breaks records in the NCAA and later on, and um, I may change my mind, but I'm going Fantilli, uh, even without the NHL uh, <laughs> experience, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, we'll make it four for four with us agreeing on all of them. Adam Fantilli's the pick here. Um, Celebrini's going to be a great prospect. It's worth mentioning again that he's doing what he's doing at a at a younger age than Fantilli did it. He's several months younger. Um, in his draft year, which is impressive. He's the youngest player in college hockey right now, and he has 22 points. Um, That's not bad. But Fantilli has the size. He has the physicality, the tenacity, like you guys were saying. He's kind of mean and violent, which is awesome. It's great in the (laughs) NHL. Um, It just feels like um, just trying to just picture their draft years in this context. But uh, Fantilli just has the potential to be like a very high end one C on a good team and Celebrini. I just feel more likely is going to be a really good one C like maybe roughly like a Dylan Larkin mm. compared to like a prime Jonathan Taves or something. I don't know. Like, like there is a bit of a gap between their, their top projections at this point. Mm. Uh, Celebrini has longer to catch up to get to that. So you never know. Things can change, but uh, it's hard to not take Fantilli still at this point. Um, and then if you consider how good he's been in the NHL this year, then it's even harder to pick Celebrini. Um, but I digress. All right. So uh, we're going to take a quick break here and then get into some quick chats about the World Juniors, which are coming up very soon, surprisingly soon. Um, and then we'll wrap up after that. So uh, I just want to quickly mention again, that the Hockey Writers has recently expanded its content into sub-stacks dedicated to each NHL team, as well as one for NHL draft and prospects content. Uh, you can sign up to get all of our best prospects articles delivered right to your inbox throughout the week. 
Uh, and there's also a premium tier with exclusive articles, mailbags, prospect interviews, and more. You can find a sign-up link for that in the video description below. Check it out. All right, so we're going to jump back in uh, now with our conversation about some prospects and the World Juniors. First up, we're going to talk about some some drafted prospects. And if we think they'll even show up, if they'll be loaned to the World Juniors to play. The first one is one of the only ones on this list where the answer seems quite clear at this point. Um, Shane Wright. Uh, Peter, what do you think about Shane Wright? Do you think he's coming? I mean... Uh, Oh gosh, what's his name? Who's the the GM of the Kraken? He said very Francis, Ron Francis. Yeah, yeah, Ron Francis. Yeah. Thank you. Um, he said in slightly veiled terms that probably not going to happen. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Right, would have been a huge addition for Team Canada, but uh, what do you think about him probably staying in pro hockey this winter? Yeah, I, I I think Shane is already done with the junior level. I mean, we saw him dominate the U18s, didn't quite have the World Junior experience that we'd hoped that he would have. Um, mm-hmm. The cancel world and the one that started up. But you know what? He was still productive in that regard. Uh, but I think now it's just time for him to move on. Time for him to just focus on getting to the NHL right now. Um, you know, that there's was a lot of talk about, you know, what's going on with his game. Is it going to get to that next level? You're not I going back to your like third or second world junior championship. I don't think it's going to help him that big of a difference. Let him stay in the AHL. Let him cook. Let him continue to produce. He's already got seven goals and 10 points in 12 games. You know, we, he was already moving up and down last season. Um, mm-hmm. Let let him stay in one area. Let him stay in one league and see what he can do and develop from there. Uh, don't think he has anything else to prove at the junior level. So, yeah, that, that, that that's where I stand on Shane Wright at this point. Yeah, that's fair. It doesn't feel like there's much left for him to prove at the World Juniors. Mm-hmm. Um, as you mentioned, this would be his third full one. But if you count the canceled one, this would be his fourth time at the World Juniors yeah. for Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got two gold medals under his belt. Um, at no point has he been the best player on Team Canada with with Bedard tearing it up last year. Um, but he was a big part of their team last year. He scored a big goal in the gold medal match. Um, yeah, he got the whole exception this year to play in the AHL instead of being sent back to the OHL. So it'd be kind of weird if they just kind of gave up on that and they're like, no, go play junior hockey again for a month because you can. Yeah, uh, It feels like it's probably better for him uh, to just continue. He's bouncing a little bit between um, Seattle and Coachella Valley in the AHL, but I think that's probably where he should be at this point. Um, I think we're in agreement there. Uh, next up, uh, I guess I'll just go for one of them. But uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on uh, Simon Nemitz, defenseman, uh, the Utica Comets, the New Jersey Devils, uh, AHL affiliate? Uh, he was the captain for Slovakia last year. Uh, eligible again this year. What do you think? Do you think he's going to go to the tournament? Um, do you think he'll be a huge part of the team? Or do you think he'll stick it out in the AHL again? Yeah, it's it's always tough when guys are playing the AHL if they're a lot if they'll allow them to go because they're going to be gone for like for two weeks, right? And uh, it's you know maybe it's it's easier to move put, move them because it's the AHL. It's not going to screw up their team. Uh, like well, it's, I guess it's a decision of what's better for their development to be playing still in the AHL or send them to world juniors and have them have a chance at a, at a medal and that experience. So 
I'm going to say Nemitz does go because of uh, his importance to to his team, um, to his country. And I think I think New Jersey would allow it. Um, I mean, it, it's like I say, it's tough, but I'm, I'm going to go with that. They do let him let him go to the World Juniors. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting one. I agree. It's it's kind of a weird spot to be in, especially since just last year he played in the AHL and left for the World Juniors. Yeah. So it's like, do they do it again? Do they do they <laughs> care enough? I'm sure he cares. And that does matter. That does count. Um, but he's not the one ultimately making the decision. Yeah. Um, he's got a contract that they, they get to decide, basically. Um, I don't think he's been so amazing in the AHL that it's like, no, you're going to mess stuff up if you take him out. Um, I mean, he's if he goes to the World Juniors, he's going to be one of the very best players. Um, he kind of was last year. Mm-hmm. He was the captain. He's a great player. It's a really strong age group for Slovakia, which we've talked about for a while, even if Slavkovsky is almost certainly going to be in the NHL still and not go. Um, he's eligible again, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this could be a year where Slovakia competes at least for a medal. I wouldn't be surprised um, if they get some help, if they get some people coming and joining. So I think it's probably slightly in his favor to go. Um, I hope he does because the more talent at the tournament, the better. And we've got a ton of high-end prospects that we're not even going to try to talk about, like Logan Cooley, mm-hmm. um, Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli. Like they're not going to yeah. go. Um, so the more high-end talent, the better. So I'm going to hope for Nemitz as well. <laughs> um, I mentioned him there actually briefly. Uh, what do you guys think about Slavkovsky? Peter, do you think there's any chance he goes? Probably just zero, right? No. No, because yeah, uh, the Montreal had uh, killed any hopes of that previously. Why they're not going to do it? Yeah, man, um, it'd be uh, so much fun though. <laughs> it, it it would, it really would. And the fact that man. they didn't send him last time to help develop his game, yeah, th- there's no chance it's going to happen right now. I don't think. Yeah, I think we're in agreement there. It'd be fun, but it's not going to happen. Uh, it's a classic around World Junior season. Same with Leo Carlson. Be fun. It's not going to happen. He's yeah. They're one C whenever he plays, so they're not going to send him away, <laughs> even though they should, because it'd be fun. Um, anyway, uh, Peter, I'll ask you one that you can have more more of a say in. Then it's not just a <laughs> no. Uh, this one is just a strange situation. I'm really mm-hmm. curious your thoughts. Uh, Zach Benson. So he's had two short injuries, mm-hmm. which really just kind of slowed down him hitting that nine ten game mark for his ELC to to burn a year on it. Um, but he came back. He's been playing well. And just a couple days ago, as we were recording this, he played his 10th game. So the first year of his ELC is gone. Does that mean Buffalo is committed and they're going to keep him on the team? Uh, what do you think? Do you think Benson joins Canada? You know, sometimes players skip the um, the camp, which is like the first two weeks of December-ish, and then he just joins the team in Sweden for the tournament. Um, or do you think he just sticks it out in Buffalo? Um. I think it's more likely that this could happen. I mean, I would like to see it happen, but if he's going to pull off like, you know, between the leg deeks in front of the net and score goals, like we yeah. saw with his first goal, his first I mean, goal. He, he it's probably going to be too easy for him at the world juniors to do that. Um, but I, I think because where the Buffalo Sabres are, obviously they got a deep roster. They got a lot of talented players. He's probably further down in the lineup. But also, they're not in a spot to win at this point. They've had a rough start and rough patch of season. Mm-hmm. I think because of where they are, it's 
maybe a little bit different compared to some of the other players that could be given a chance to go. I think if they're down still hovering down below in the standings, I think Buffalo's going to say, you know what, go come back and then we'll reevaluate everything here because there's probably still going to be a spot for him on the team. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Especially after they burned the first year of his ELC. That's, that's huge and good on Benson for doing that. But I think if Buffalo is still, you know, middle of the pack, there's really no sense in him keeping him around. Let him go win a championship or possibly win a medal at the world juniors mm-hmm. and just let him tear it up because we know how offensively talented he is, how creative he is, how slick he is with his hands and the moves that he can pull off in tight. I I, I think this would be a good opportunity for him. Yeah, it's going to be a strange one. I, I agree. If he goes, he's going to tear it up. He's going to kind of have a, I expect you to have kind of a Logan Stankoven level of impact exactly, yeah. as we saw him at the world juniors. I think the last two times, Smaller guy, but really just tenacious two-way player, creates tons of offense. Um, I think Benson could fill that role, probably not mm. at center, almost certainly not at center, um, but he's he would be really fun to watch there. I just have no idea what Buffalo's doing because they played him in his 10th game, and then a couple days later they called up one of the next guys we'll talk about, Yuri Kulich, and also mm. Isaac Rosen, who mm. Isaac Rosen isn't eligible for the World Juniors, but Kulich is still. Mm. Um, and so it's like, if they are going to send Benson to the world juniors and then down to uh, the WHL for the rest of the season, why burn it? And then call up your other best prospects who are destroying the AHL. Yeah. Why delay it? Is it just like a show of, of trust and of how excited they are for Benson that they're like, you know, you're going to get paid for the whole year basically, or at least while you're with the team, not just the signing bonus. We want to let you know that we're committed to you as a player or that they hope to have him around. I have no idea what they're doing. Um, we've talked for a while about the crazy group of forwards that they have coming up. Um, it's interesting though, that so many of them are like six feet or under Coolidge, I believe is six feet. Isaac Rosen is below that. Benson is below that. Savoy is below that. Um, so it's a weird group, uh, hard to find spots for them all on the roster, but that's a issue for down the line. Um, I'm going to ask you, Matt, about Coolidge. So he's been phenomenal in the AHL. Uh, was scoring at a 50-goal pace. Unlikely now because he got called up and played in the NHL just last night as we're recording. Uh, but what do you think about Coolidge? Do you think he'll go to the World Juniors? Mm-hmm. I mean, if he does, he's just going to absolutely dummy all the competition because he's been phenomenal in the AHL two years in a row. But uh, what do you think? Do you think there's a chance for Coolidge? <laughs> Well, I would have said yes if he wasn't called up. I mean, it seems like the Sabres want to have him at least playing for a bit here. But it is weird where you have Benson now um, that they just basically, yeah, they just burned the controversy of the contract. And now they call up Kulik. Is he going to, are they wanting him to now play with the team for a good period of time or I mean, I I don't know. Like, who knows? Still in the AHL, I would say yes, definitely. He's going to the World Juniors because. Again, uh, you know, send him there, give him a give Czechia a good chance at uh, getting a medal or whatever, because um, he would be their best player, you know, hands oh, down. Uh, yeah. He was one of their best players when he was. Um, anytime he's been in the World Juniors, he's been one of their best. And mm-hmm. so <laughs> I, I want to say yes, but I'm but just looking at all the things, I'm going to say no, he's not going, but it'd be fun if he was. <laughs> Yeah, I I truly have no idea what Buffalo is going to do with them. Um, Another player 
Probably no, but it sure would be cool if they did. Uh, like you said, like he had seven goals last year in seven games going to the getting the silver medal with Czechia. Yeah. Um, and so if this World Juniors, uh, Sweden is a lot better. It looks a lot better than they have the last few years at the tournament. USA is competitive as always. Canada looks competitive as always. Finland looks like they could be Finland. They're always pesky. They always show up and surprise people. So coming in with high end talent, you know, expectations are high and then they always outperform expectations. So they could be competing for gold, silver, Czechia and Slovakia could be really good. If some of these prospects go, honestly, I feel like Kulich is enough that he could get them to the medal round, the top four, just on his back basically. But truly just a crapshoot at this point, just flip a coin. I have no idea where he's going. I hope he's there though. Uh, okay, uh, we'll quickly wrap this one up with a few draft eligible prospects who obviously are eligible to play at the World Juniors. Um, and everyone on this list, I think, is probably going to go. Um, their roles are going to differ. Um, and who knows how important they'll be, how great they'll be at their younger age. But Peter, I'll come to you first. Let me see. Uh, Michael Bransig Nygaard, I'll ask you about. Um, Norway is in this tournament this year. They won the the Div 1 tournament last year, and Austria was demoted from the, the top level. And so Norway is here. So Michael Brandsignagar gets to play in the top level. Usually the team that gets promoted is at very least in the, the relegation game at the end. But he's an excellent player, excellent prospect. Do you think he'll be there for Norway? And if so... Will he be their best player? Basically, is the question. I guess I, I would think that he would be their best player. Absolutely. Um, I think we're going to get a sense of like you know, obviously because you know this is like a team that was relegated or fought to come back in after the relegation or winning their um level to get up and be promoted to the top level. I think we're going to see a bit of the same situation that we saw with Marco Casper. Mm. Where maybe the production mm. wasn't there, but you saw the high impact, the ability, every single shift. And again, maybe the points may not come. He could get a few because we know how great his shot is. We know how physical he yeah. is in the offensive zone. think that works for him. Um, obviously, when you're coming in, it's going to be a little bit you know, tighter competition or stiffer competition for teams like Norway. But then again, we've seen you know teams in the past, you know, to rise up and give teams a good run for their money. That parity is start, starting to increase a little bit. We want to see more competition. So if Norway is going to be more competitive, he's definitely going to be leading the charge. And I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he played in the, I think it's division one, a, I don't know why Yes, that's the, the second tier of the world juniors. Um, he played there last year as a 17 year old, like barely 17 years old. Um, and he was a point per game, had a bunch of goals. Um, he was good, not incredible, but granted, he was 17 in the U20 tournament. Um, so much stiffer competition this year because I believe they beat Kazakhstan in the gold medal game. And they're going to play against the U.S., I think. I think they're in that group at this tournament. So that's going to be a little bit rough for Norway, not going to lie. But um, he's really solid. I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, uh, Peter, if there's a Marco Casper type impact where he drags him into the fight, gives him a shot, and who knows? Maybe they can surprise someone and mm. and sneak a game somewhere. I can't. I don't know all the teams in that group, but if they are in the U.S. group, I believe that one is 
the weaker of the two this year. It looks like it at least. So there's always a chance and it's easy to root for the underdogs, especially when there's such a fun draft prospect to, to watch there. Um, Matt, what do you think about Celebrini? I mean, this one feels easy, so I'll I'll add a tag on. <laughs> Where do you think he'll play for Canada in the lineup? Do you think he pushes into the top six, or do you think he maybe plays like a Fantilli role last year where he's kind of a bottom six wing, can move up and down a little if they need? But uh, what do you think about Celebrini? Is he there? And if so, where does he play? I think he's definitely there. Um, you know, it's just like when Fantilli, like you said, Fantilli played uh, Connor Bedard. Um, yes, Bedard had pushed his way. I think his first first year of the World Juniors, though, he was in a lower role. Um, you know, these guys are really young. I mean, <laughs> for the World Juniors, a lot of the guys that really dominate, unless you're like unless you're like Sidney Crosby or you know, they just completely go insane in their first first uh, World Juniors, doesn't matter what age they are. But uh, I think uh, he's gonna play that, yeah, bottom six role. Um, if he performs, maybe gets elevated up the lineup, of course, plays in the power play. Um, I think he has a, a, the ability to play in the top six, but especially usually it's dominated by the 20 year olds, 20, you know, the ones that are just close to being done with the tournament. They're the yeah. guys that kind of dominate these tournaments. And um, I want to say Celebrini is going to do really well, but I think he's going to be in a role where he's not going to get a ton of offensive opportunities. Um, but he's, I think he's still going to play really well and he's definitely going to be on the team because of how he's played this season. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's tough to project him to go very high in the lineup because if you're not Sidney Crosby, McDavid, Bedard, um, it's hard to be a draft year prospect and be a, a huge leader on a team like Canada where they just have tons of offensive talent. This year, the group isn't super stacked, partly because guys like Bedard and Fantilli um, are in the NHL and they're eligible to return and they would absolutely tear it up, but they're not going to. Um, so there is some space. Uh, I think I agree. Celebrini like maybe could be on like the second line. And that's probably if guys like um, Benson and Savoy go and kind of tear up the top line, maybe with Connor Geeky, that whole line from the Wenatchee Wild. It's hard <laughs> not to say Winnipeg ice anymore, but uh, the Wenatchee Wild's top line could be Canada's top line. Um and then maybe you see Celebrini there on the second, but probably a little bit smaller of a role. Um, he's good defensively, but, you know, it's hard to put him above someone like Nate Danielson, Braden Yeager, if he's playing center. So mm. I agree with you on that one. Um, I'll quickly mention just one more here before we do our prospects of the week. Uh, prospect who I think will make it, and that's Zeev Bouyam for the USA. He's been rising a lot in draft conversations lately. He's tearing it up in the NCAA uh, with the University of Denver, I believe, who is one of the top teams in the nation, that nation being the USA. I can't say the nation like I hear other people say, because we all live in Canada, in the other nation uh, below us, south. Um, really good. I mean, USA's defensive group isn't very strong, so they kind of needed someone to step up. But I don't think that he's kind of like going to be a pity option. I don't think it's like, oh, we're struggling to find someone. I guess we'll pick a draft eligible. Like, I think he deserves it. He's been really great. He skates really well, works really hard. And he's been great offensively. He's six feet tall, which is a little taller than he was measured last year. Well, that's what NHL Central Scouting says. He's six feet tall. University of Denver says six two. 
That's a bit of a discrepancy. He's probably <laughs> six foot then, but who knows? Maybe they measured him with a hat on and in some big boots or something. I don't Try know. Try and meet halfway kind of thing. Yeah, maybe maybe it's somewhere in the middle. Maybe the IIHF will give him a new measurement and we'll be even more confused. But um, he's not huge. He's not amazing defensively. And there aren't really any of those guys for Team USA, um, which is fine. They don't have those options. So you're not going to stretch and put like, Brady Cleveland on the team or something who can barely keep up at the junior level. So, uh, you know, you take the best players you can get, even if that's a different look than you dream of. Uh, I think Booyam is, is worth it. I think he's, he's going to be good. And I think he's going to improve his stock kind of like, like an Axel Sandin Pelica at the world juniors, not tear it up, but be impressive for a draft eligible. So uh, he's someone I think is going to make the cut. All right. Uh, we'll wrap up the show as we like to do each week with our prospects of the week. And Peter, I'm going to come to you first on this one. Who do you got as your prospect of the week this week? Yeah, I rarely pick Maple Leaf prospects unless they deserve to be on here. But I am going to pick a Maple Leaf prospect because this player was a late round selection for the Maple Leafs in 2023, drafted 185th overall. And that's Noah Chadwick from the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Um Last season, uh, obviously, with the later round selections, you take flyers on players and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chadwick was an interesting selection because when we were talking to or in the media scrum with Wes Clark, they liked the size and the potential that he had. He plays that, you know, not necessarily in your face style of game, but he's very composed and he's very he he, he I, I th- let's just use the term. He's a gamer. You know, he he, he does whatever it takes to win. And he they they saw that play in him, even though he had 20 points in 67 games. Mm-hmm. You know, he's in 23 games this season already. He's got 19 points, one less from his total last season and already surpassed six goal. Uh, his uh, five goals from last season was six. So he's definitely progressing very, very well. Obviously, maybe not the offense is starting to come around, but it's his defensive game that really stands out with the gap control, the ability to take away, take away lanes very quickly, you know, defending well against the rush. Those are the main things that stand out in his game. But now that the offense is starting to come around, that's a big step for him. So he's my prospect of the week. Nice. That's a great one. I'm, I'm going to keep it going with the uh, late 2023 picks who are at least giving themselves a chance at the NHL early on. They're, they're building. Um, and that is someone that I talked about lots last year in Aiden Fink. Uh, he was drafted out of the Brooks Bandits in the AJHL, uh, a whole level of junior hockey in Canada that kind of gets ignored most of the time, um, unless you're Kale McCarr, where it's like impossible to ignore it because he came from the exact same team. Um, he went in the seventh round. I kind of thought maybe late second if you were feeling a little excited, but probably third round uh, by the end of last year. Nope, seventh round. I understand he's a little undersized playing in a league that doesn't get a ton of respect, but he absolutely dominated there. He was the best player as an 18-year-old. Really great shot, tons of skill. Um, he's playing in the NCAA this year. I can't remember which team. I, it's Penn State, maybe? Um, but so far this season, he has 21 points in 15 games in the NCAA. That is more points than Will Smith, Cutter Gauthier, Lane Hudson, Gabe Perot, Frank Nazar, Ryan Leonard, I'm not saying he's better than all of them. Um, I'm not. I, I'm honestly not. I was going to make a joke. But um, uh, but he's had an excellent start. And I think this is indicative of his talent. His talent level is 
excellent. He had a hat trick recently as well in the college hockey. Um, I, and I was saying just before the show with you guys that he has a chance to pull kind of a Johnny Goudreau of like, you know, underappreciated in your draft year, small, skilled guy, uh, drafted too late, honestly, in my opinion, um, and then just absolutely dominate college hockey and be a good NHLer. I don't think he's got the potential of a Goudreau necessarily. I don't think 90, 100 points is in his future in the NHL, but he's giving himself a real shot to become a, a legitimate maybe middle six wing in the NHL if he can continue to build off of this, uh, build a little more strength uh, for especially his defensive game, um, but also to just help him hold on to pucks a little, lo- little longer. That would definitely go a long way for him, but just an excellent start for Fink in college hockey. And I'm really excited to see where this goes. That concludes my victory lap. Um, Matt, <laughs> uh, I'll come to you last here. Who's your prospect of the week this week? Well, after a bunch of weeks with Canucks prospects, I am moving away. Uh, from uh, that and moving to an LA Kings prospect. And that's Brent Clark, who Mm. uh, we all know his ridiculous point totals from the OHL last season, 61 points in 31 games, insane. Um, And also 23 points in 12 games in the playoffs. Well, he's doing similar, uh, not as crazy in the, in the AHL, but 18 points in 17 games is pretty good. Um, And he's got a, He's a plus nine as well. He's the only defenseman in the top 20 in points in the AHL. And he is very close to being a full-time NHL defenseman. Uh, I think he could be already, but the Kings Mm -hmm. have a pretty good blue line at this point. So I think Clark's close. I think next season he's going to be full-time and and being really good. Uh, But in the AHL, he's just dominating. So I'm going to go, I'm going Brent Clark, Prospect League. And also an honorable mention to Logan Stankoven. I, mm-hmm. we all, he's, we love him uh, on this show. He's got 12 goals in uh, 16 games in the AHL right now too. So again, another guy that's close to the NHL and just dominating the, the AHL right now. So uh, Clark and Stankoven, uh, co-prospects of the week. Yeah. Clark's a great one. He's been unreal. He's, I mean, he's doing what we expect of him, but I'd say he's doing even a little more than that a lot of the time here. A really great showing in the AHL. He only played a few games there last year on that in that same weird liminal space that Shane Wright was in. Uh, looked good, but wasn't enough to keep him in the NHL. Thankfully, he can finally play in the AHL this year, and it's it's paid off. It's been a really good, really good start for him. Awesome. All right. Well, that does it for us this week. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Prospect Corner. Make sure you subscribe to the Hockey Writers YouTube channel to make sure you catch all of our new episodes. And also, make sure you check out the NHL Draft and Prospect Substack that we run here to stay caught up on all of our new prospects content. There's a link in the description below. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Peter, as always. And thank you all for joining us on this week's episode of Prospect Corner. We'll see you next time.